Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Long Legs. You know me, Daddy T. Just a couple quick announcements before we get into this week's episode. This is the second to last episode of this season. That's right, next week is the season finale. Can't wait. Um, We are coming back, though, in the fall, just like school, because you know what? We're starting to get vaccinated. Schools are starting to open. I hope that keeps happening. I know we're still at risk, so just please keep following the CDC guidelines wherever you are in the world. And, you know, do your best to do your part and be healthy and safe. And I hope everyone is fine. Okay, that being said, um, next week is the finale of this season and then the three months. But don't worry, I'm not leaving you high and dry. Okay, three months, not going to be dead airspace. No, I am launching a new podcast called Congratulations. It is a micro podcast. What does that mean? It means I just wanted to focus on hyping up my friends. So rather than spend an hour every week talking to a new friend, I spend 15 minutes once a week, talking to the same friend for about a month, okay? I know I just explained that very strange. Basically, I asked a couple friends to be like my hype-up buddy. Um, Each month, there's a new guest, and we just check in once a week, have a quick little call, and talk about all the good stuff that happened that week. You know, anything from relationships, personal, career, life, anything, okay? It's, remember back in the day, some of you who are as old as me remember when we used to post stuff on Facebook and people would say, congratulations. That's the idea. Just stuff you want to share with somebody who isn't judging you and just be excited for each other. So that will be starting up in two weeks after next week's season finale. We will go right into it. Different guests every month. We've got Jackie Neal, Michael Swaim, Sammy Junio. Really, really fun. And on top of the check-ins, I will be reading good news from you guys. You guys and girls and everything in between, okay? Everybody who listens to this podcast, if you are interested in sharing some good news, let me know, all right? Email me, tell me anything pod at gmail.com and just title it congratulations and I'll know what it is. I'll read it every week. I would love to be able to congratulate at least one listener, hopefully more, okay? Um, and in addition, in addition to these um, quick check-ins, I'll also um, be doing a quick intro updating you guys about my um, updates over the summer as well as some fun little segments, you know, because I like to have fun, okay? So that's it. It's congratulations. There will be three months of that. You can email me, tell me anything, pod at gmail.com. Don't wait. Email me now. If you have anything great you want to share, I will congratulate you. It doesn't have to be something like, you know, a job related. It doesn't have to be that you got married or got a kid. It can literally be anything that you are feeling great about. Okay? No bad news. No disclaimers. Congratulations only. Um, that being said, we are, I am vaccinated. I will be starting to do shows. Not quite yet, but definitely I believe in the summer. Um, so I don't have any to announce right now because I, whew, boy, it's taking me a minute to really get comfortable with this. But um, you can see the updated shows, TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shows. I do update that. So let me know, though, if you want me to come to your area because I am now um, cleared for travel. Wonderful. All right. So let me know. I will be planning live shows soon. I will be updating that. And as always, you can find me at Teresa Leebot on Instagram and TikTok or at Larissa T on Twitter. Enjoy this episode with the very funny Mike Kaplan. You can tell her, you can tell her anything. She's a real good listener. You can tell her anything. Yo, what's up? 
What's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T. This is a podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest. I'm really excited to have my guest today. He has an album out called AKA. He is a master at wordplay, not just in the way that I talk a lot, but in the way that they make sense when he speaks. So um, give it up for Mike Kaplan. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. I I appreciate the intro. It's very kind of you to say. I just want to disclaim in advance what I say may not always make sense. May not make sense. <laughs> well, I really it's 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 fun because I feel like you have um, the like the you talk you reference your style a lot in your comedy as well, and so which is nice because you know people enjoy it and come for it. And I feel like what I have been a talkative person since I was young and like having just people <laughs> speak a lot in a smart way and people like that is like very, um, it's what do you call it, representative for me. So I've always very much appreciated that. Um, but I like to start by getting a good confession just to start on a positive note. Um, so is there something good you'd like to confess, Mike? Uh, thank you so much. I, I wasn't prepared for this, except that you did tell me about it in advance. Uh, uh, so my girlfriend's birthday was a couple days ago, and she is out of town. She's visiting her mom for the first time since pandemic began. And uh, while she was uh, at her mom's home a few days before her birthday, mm -hmm. she was like talking about how she was helping them like uh, neaten up their home. Like there's like five kids that live there, oh. and so she is uh, you know doing the work of like a, a saintly Mary Poppins type situation there. And she's like, and I, I love how our home is like, but one of the only things in our home that she was like is kind of nagging at me is in our backyard uh we have we have a garden area out back and mm. there is the skeleton of a couch there that used the to be of a what? Oh, gosh. Okay, cool. <laughs> really? yeah we've got some skeletons in our oh, backyard <laughs> it's not that kind of confession <laughs> podcast okay oh it's a good one it's a, a murder we got away with and um uh, so nobody knows anything about this couch, couch. Uh, but uh, so it used to be in our home. But she like does she does all of these uh, you know sort of do it yourself like uh, aesthetically shifting and beautifying our home. And so there's a couch. All the cushions and all the fabric all are all made use of in our home. But just like the bare bones of the couch remained, and it's been there for like more than a year. Like the pandemic happened, winter happened, and like it it didn't bother me. I'm just like, it's fine. There's uh -huh. I can still sit out there. But she told me how much it uh, had. She was like, I really want to get rid of that couch. And, you know, up until this point, we just hadn't done it. But mm -hmm. uh, I I had a friend come over and we carried the the couch bones out and had and had the city take them away. And so I, I sent her photos on her birthday of uh, the couch on the curb and the empty space where it was in the backyard. And I'm like, look what I got you. Nothing. <laughs> That's great. That is like a, actually a great feeling. And especially like I feel like when you're cohabitating, cohabitating, what's the word? Co yeah. Living with someone, it's like those kinds of things do go so long away because it's like buying, I mean, gifts are nice, but you know, especially if you live together, it's just another thing to lie around. But when you actually check something off the to-do list that was hard, that involved a phone call to the city, I mean, that's like quite an accomplishment. So congratulations. 
Oh yes, and just to be clear, I I didn't call the city, but I did email them. I, <laughs> okay, I, I did go, have yeah. to. I went on a website. There's a process, and we have an old broken air conditioning that's going to be taken away oh, the wow. day before or the day she gets back, as well. So uh, pretty soon, we might not even have anything. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's. I mean, it's funny because I used to used to live in New York as well, right? I don't know if we crossed paths or did you. Oh, I currently live in oh, New York. Oh, you still York. do? I don't know why. Okay. Oh, yes. I think because of quarantine, um, doing Instagram shows, I just assume everyone's in my city, which is a weird assumption that now I realize there is no, no indication you lived here ever. I'm in L.A., but I, I lived in New York um, mostly like during college and not I didn't really do comedy long there. But it's um, this actually this makes your story even more brave because you did the right thing. I was going to say when I used to live in New York, it was just people would just leave things outside, not call, not email, not even mention it to their landlord or manager. And um, those people included me as well. You know, I was probably <laughs> 21. Doesn't make it right. But now as an adult, I'm like, yes, you should be. There is a process. <laughs> And one time, I mean, part of it is out of uh, a little bit of fear as well, because one time I lived elsewhere in Brooklyn and wanted to get rid of a TV. I mm-hmm. didn't want to have a gigantic, it was like a, just a big old, you know, like not flat screen, like a three-dimensional, but not a 3D TV, just like a, you know, a, a, an <laughs> a, object. A, a regular TV that <laughs> is made of matter that is... Exactly, a matter TV. like us, yeah. Exactly. And so I just left it outside, like for the garbage people to take it away. And they didn't. And I got a ticket. I got it because your electronics have to be not thrown out that way. So I think it cost me $100 to learn that uh, don't do that. And I'm like, how'd they know it was mine? I'm like, it's it's mine. I mean, it's there. It's in front of our house. There's not a lot of people that lived in that apartment building. But uh, yeah, so this was I want I wanted to do it right, and I know like with when you have to get rid of a bed or a mattress, they want you to like wrap it up because bed bugs could happen. Like so, there's there's processes, and when it's at least when it's easy to do them, I like I like following rules that are easy and then don't cost me anything. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like whenever things get bureaucratic, it's frustrating. But sometimes I get overwhelmed where I don't even want to like look it up like it's like it'll be on my to-do list of something like that like get rid of this couch or recycle whatever and I'll finally sit down to tackle it and I'll realize it's one button I'm like wow I put that off for five months but you don't know I mean it's like if I didn't know and I sit down and it's a three-hour ordeal then my day is ruined and that's the thing I think (laughs) it deters people from doing any process that seems like it might be hard uh and Part of that may be my ADHD, which I finally treated as an adult. But as, yeah, I used to just get overwhelmed. Like Ikea shelves would go unbuilt for too long to the point where it's like, now I need to get rid of it so I can move out. Anyways, um, I, okay, so this podcast has started because um, I, as a young uh, uh, first generation um, Taiwanese American did not in, understand like the idea of going to therapy and mental health and all that. It's not a mental health podcast, but I then started going when I was in my 20s and then started doing comedy and realized like, oh, it's so nice to get things off your chest and be able to like just confide in little things, big things, doesn't have to be scandalous. But because of that, I uh, like to ask my guests like, what is your experience with therapy? And yeah, everyone has like different backgrounds, so there's no right or wrong answer. Um, but if you, you know, don't go to therapy, do you have like a sort of confidant or, um, when you need to like, you know, get advice or confide in people, do you have like a routine? What's your go-to? 
Great question. Uh, so my history with therapy is I think the very first time I went is when my parents were getting divorced and I went, they had a couples counselor and I went mm. with them uh, to at least one session that I believe I fell asleep during. <laughs> How uh, old were you? I was like 13 maybe. Oh, okay. And that's, that's like a, I mean, well, I guess there's different ways you can go with that. Either like you're checking out dissociating or you're just like kind of chill and that's probably a good sign for the parents. You know, uh, so th that's a that's very astute of you to say because at the time I really did feel like it wasn't my it wasn't a big not like it wasn't mm. a big deal but it wasn't my deal I was like like you like, like I didn't it, fuck up my marriage no I'm just kidding I'm sure yeah later, no I mean reasons. like. <laughs> A, a joke I wrote about it at the time was like my both of my parents separately like they did a very good job of like you know I actually don't even really know what all the ins and outs were I just the the, the party line was they had grown apart like uh -huh. they both loved me they both wanted what was best for me they're they're like this isn't your fault and I was like I couldn't even conceive how it could have been my fault like I'm like yeah I'm a kid like are you telling me like I'm like then I was like is it reverse psychology like, was it my fault but they're like we're not supposed to uh or I think what is the oh yeah the the joke I wrote is like like, I did still feel pretty guilty for forging those papers, but uh, <laughs> that would have been my fault. But uh, then I went, so I went, so I, I think I was pretty chill about it. Like, I was going through difficult, like, teenage times. We mm. had just moved, and I'd started with a new school full of kids who I didn't know, and that was challenging for mm. me. And I feel like the divorce didn't really, I don't think it really added that much on top of that. I was like, you know, just, just another thing for a mostly privileged but sad teenager. The key um, to getting your kids to be okay with the divorce is just throw more, more stressful experiences at them so they can't handle it. Yeah, if, you, if you hurt one part oh, no. of your body, like start, you know, banging your head against the wall, they say. Uh, they don't, I think they are not doctors or professional <laughs> mental health uh, uh, caregivers. But uh, the second therapist I went to, the one that I, first one that I chose to go to mm. was in college. And it was mainly to start, uh, to, to stop biting my nails. I bit my oh, nails okay. my whole childhood. At this point, I was biting them in my sleep mostly. Oh, wow. okay. And I tried all kinds of things like sleeping with, you know, uh, stuff that tastes bad on them. And I'd wake up with uh, bit nails and it tasted <laughs> and bad. bad taste. Yeah. And and so I remember go. I went specific. I wanted to go specifically to my college, uh, you know, therapy center for that. But, you know, that and I kind of wanted to also be like and also like I'm I'm good. Right. Like I, <laughs> I tell you everything about my life and then I tell yeah, you how I'm feeling plus, and uh, yeah, yeah, just good, good grades at therapy. I live life correctly. Um, but one of the things that when he asked me about my history with therapy and I told him about falling asleep at my parents, couples counselor, and he said that was a bad therapist, like to <laughs> allow, like, I remember him saying like, uh, that he's like if you if that were me if i were the therapist i would like tell your parents like look your child can't even be awake like the the exact thing that you talked about like was i dissociating did i not want to deal with it like uh i do think also like i my mother and like sort of back as many generations as i know it's only a couple like we fall asleep sometimes like i mm. i fall asleep easily my mom falls asleep at the movies uh, and broadway shows like we're just Wait, we're this sleepers is so interesting because I I fall asleep a lot. Well, I, then I found out, I mean, I don't know if it really is the only route, but I treated my ADHD and that helped a lot. But I used to fall asleep, like driving to work every day. And it was like, to the point where people are like, that's bad. I'm like, I know, but I'm alive and I, I don't know what else to do. 
But I wonder, I mean, I don't know. I wonder That's <laughs> if there's wild. something like your brain moves so fast, like in, cause I just feel like, um, you can make connections really quickly and, and find patterns in your world in a way that's really cool and conducive to comedy and performing and writing. But in a world where you're not the one commanding what to look at and what the focus is, it could be on the wrong wavelength and it might make you sleepy. <laughs> like that. I don't know. That's how I feel sometimes when I fall asleep. I, I hear you. Or, or I thought it could have been that, uh, you know, because my brain is so busy making all these connections, it just uses up all its energy oh. and then falls asleep. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Uh, I also did. I have fallen asleep at the wheel uh, at least at least once. I'm like, did I do it twice? I think I did it twice. One time it was fine. One time I just like woke up and I wasn't even on I, this. I was on a highway and then I woke up not on the highway. Oh gosh, I had taken an exit. Oh, oh wow. yeah. So you were is, you were like blacked out asleep because that's you were probably actually awake but your brain was on autopilot where it wasn't making memories. Yeah, like yeah, I didn't. But the first time when I was like seventeen, I fell asleep at the wheel and uh, drove off the road and uh, crashed into a telephone pole, okay. and I'm very lucky to be alive. Uh, and that's so scary. The, yeah, that's a good thing you're okay. I think yeah, there's a I guess there's a difference when I say fall. It I don't know how else to describe it because I am falling asleep and I'll wake up, but. Somehow, I mean, obviously my body, and I don't want to say it knows because I don't know. One of these days, all it takes is one wrong move and then it's gone. But it feels like my body knows the limit, which is hard to, I don't want to trust it. But somehow it always has woken me up before anything's happened. But I full on like woken up almost, you know, almost about to hit a car, almost off the street. Oh, yeah. I mean... I understand what you're saying, and that, that to me, like I don't want to scare. You. I don't. I want to scare you the exact right amount that you okay. should be scared. But I, I also don't know what that is. I'm not an expert, I but I do know that. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's great. Uh, when the be on the trip, uh, it was like two in the morning when I was 17, driving back to my summer camp where I was like a counselor mm -hmm. from a girlfriend's house, like an hour away. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember, like, before I fell asleep, I did have that, like, snap up and be like, oh, oh God, I almost I almost fell asleep. I probably did, like, but I was like, okay, everything's okay. And then it felt, like, adrenalized, you know, adrenalized. Like, for that moment, I was like, wow, good thing that won't happen. Like, and it felt like, you know, I knew what I was doing. My body knew what it was doing. But then uh, oh, my body was like, we're going to sleep. But, I mean, thankfully, uh, very lucky. So, yeah, so... I don't know why I fell asleep in, I don't know all the reasons why I fell asleep uh -huh. in therapy, but I did stay awake for all the other therapy that I ever went to, which was that guy in college. And then around 2010, when I was on TV enough that the sag after union insurance mm. was uh, available to me in mm. a, in a very affordable and real way. So at that point, I think, you know, it was like a very, like a $10, $20 copay, Mm -hmm. uh, to get, so I went to therapy then, uh, mainly also to address some relationship challenges that I was having at the time. So like, I definitely think there, I'm a fan of therapy as a concept. <laughs> I'm glad it exists. I, uh, since my insurance is now just like catastrophic and doesn't pay for, mm. uh, therapy in that way, I have not gone for several years, but I do have a very good friend who also is a therapist, uh, uh -huh. is a doctor, has a PsyD, you know, and I am not technically his patient. I am his friend. <laughs> and I, I do know he has told him. me <laughs> the the uh, 
I asked him like, you know, like you, he gives, he's like, I give advice to my friends and I, it's not like I give different advice than I would give to a client. And I was like, Oh, is there any difference in how they receive it? He's like, Oh yes. My friends do not take my advice. <laughs> um, yeah. That's interesting. Cause you, it feels like if, well, there's a whole different dynamic if, uh, if you're not seeking it. But. Oh, yeah. And so when I as his friend, he also he told me like when he got out of, uh, his, you know, when he got his doctoral degree, he was like, now I now people are go now people are like paying me money to uh, for me to help them with their problem for me to talk to them. He's like, which is weird, because I feel like I would just do it. You know, if it, it's like a secret, I just like, I would just help. I would t talk to people for free. But like we but live in this the secret of everything, because the things that you hopefully are most passionate about are the things you take the time to get good at. And then it does start to feel easy, And but then most people haven't taken that time, so then they're not, you know what I mean? Like his oh, yes. advice, because he's gone to school and knows it, is going to be worth that, but because he likes it, it's going to feel like strange to be paid for it. Yes. And, and so I bring him up also because sometimes when I have had like very specific challenges, mm -hmm. uh, I have, like he is, as my friend, uh, available and open to talking and listening and will give me will offer his you know uh not specifically professional opinion but his opinion that is uh at least influenced by the information and skills that he has amassed over the years and so it does feel valuable to have that friend as a resource and i also do have another good best friend who i talk to most every day a little bit at least and when either of us has something that we're going through we are like we are a nice resource for one another and also i would say my girlfriend mm -hmm. is a person who i think is uh has has read many uh, books and experienced many like in the in the self help genre oh, okay. and yeah, yeah. has uh, your various you know Brene yeah, Browns language, and the, the Byron attacks, Katie. <laughs> oh yeah, she she is uh, a student of uh -huh. of that uh, of that field uh, personally, and so she has um, also amassed a great amount of. She's a conduit of lots of. Uh, psychological, emotional, well-being, wisdom. Uh, so I have, I feel like a lot of people, and I also do, I, I also, like you, talk a lot uh, <laughs> and have always. And so I, and, you know, comedy is great for that as well. And like, there have been times as well when, you know, if I've gotten, been going through a breakup, I will process it on stage. Mm. If there is, you know, like my grandmother died last year and I wrote a lot of comedy mm. about it and talked about it a lot and plan to do like a show about it at some point. And so those there, that is my history and wow. experience. It's very thorough. No, thank therapy. you for sharing all that. It's interesting. It's, I was going to say it's kind of like parallel to my history with uh, the gym because <laughs> in a way that's like I go in and out. I'm not, I don't belong to a gym now, but I have before. And there's been periods of my life where I have and not in a like unhealthy way where I'm like, I have to lose 10 pounds. It's just like sometimes I'll be in a place where maybe my schedule will open up and I'll happen to live near Y. And I'm like, oh, I could do this. And then, you know, I'll go in and out. So I feel like that's a totally normal, I'm not normal, like anything's normal, but totally acceptable way to approach therapy. Um, Cause you know, sometimes you have things you're trying to deal with. So you go all the time, but sometimes you just, once you've started it and you're not, that wall's been breached, it's like, you know how it works. You don't have to be constantly paying a stranger to listen to you. <laughs> They need to pay you to listen to you. That's how comedy I would, works. Th 
<laughs> oh yeah, maybe we should do some sort of barter system. Like uh, yeah. I go to I you give me free therapy and I tell you jokes about therapy. <laughs> Oh, gosh. I feel like I always get, like, I'll make jokes in therapy, but only because that's how I am. And I'm like, I don't want my therapist to laugh. But then sometimes she'll get really chummy in a way where I'm like, I get it. That's nice. But, like, sometimes I'm like, no, you're supposed to be like, hmm, you're coping. But then I'm like, I guess maybe I'm coping well. That's my pet peeve is probably something I need to work through when people who I, like, professionals I pay to, like, hear me out say, like, Phoebe, you're very self-aware. I'm like, but you're supposed to be more aware than me. Like, <laughs> don't tell me I know everything. I know I don't. I still have panic attacks. Oh, uh, sure. Well, I mean, uh, to that point, you are certainly, in one way at least, more self-aware than your therapist is yourself aware. Like, okay. you, you have inside information. <laughs> this is correct, yeah. I think that's, okay, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll get your confession. And we're back. Mike, the time has come. Is there something you'd like to tell me? Yes, I, I would be happy to. Uh, I've been very much enjoying talking to you and could talk about all those things all the time, but I understand we're here for a purpose. Uh, and it is actually kind of related to something that came up earlier. Uh, when I was about 22, like just as I'd started, I went got out of college at age, I think 21 and started grad mm -hmm. school, turned 22 and it was like my first year of grad school, maybe the second year. Uh, I was living in Boston. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey and that's where my mom was. And I got a speeding ticket that mm. got delivered to New Jersey uh, from uh, from because that was still where my address, my technical home address was. But I got the, the ticket in Massachusetts for going uh, 98 miles an hour uh, in a. What if I was like, but it was only, it was a 95 mile per hour zone. Uh, it was a, a 65 mile an hour zone, you know, a, a pretty standard, mm -hmm. like it was a, in, in my defense at the time, it mm -hmm. was like a very long stretch of just wide open road, like 30 miles between okay. the exits. Like and... the interstate highway kind of situation. Like oh, the, yeah. the it five was the... in California is like that. People are always going like a hundred, but you're like, but it's hard. If you go 60, it's crazy. It's like cows for... Miles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And certainly, uh, like, other people were regular. Like, I was not, like, the fastest car out there. There was, like, uh -huh. a lot of cars that were going, certainly 80s and 90s. But, uh, and the road is very straight. But at, at a certain point, there was just, like, uh, a speed trap or there were just uh -huh. uh, police officers, like, just flagging down kind of everyone. They were just wow. like, hey, everyone, get over here. And... And so I think I got, I don't know if the ticket came to me directly first or eventually. I, I don't know how it all happened, but I got the ticket and I didn't want to pay it. I, mm -hmm. I was like, it was $330. Dang. And because like 10 miles, 10, $10 for every mile over the oh, limit. Wow. And I, so I like requested a hearing and I was like, maybe the, maybe the officer won't show up. That kind of, you know, uh -huh. fantasy that you hear about. <laughs> People always say, yeah, uh, let's just contest it. And, uh, and so then they sent me a date that was going to be like during the summer when I was away working at summer camp in another state. And I so I was like, can I have another date? And, uh, and they gave me another one that was still in that. What was your proposed case or was it just banking on them not showing up? I think it was 100% banking on them not showing up there. <laughs> Would you have like and, improvised a um like a like a very believable? I don't know cuz it's like at some point or would you be like, "Well, you're here." <laughs> you know, ah! uh <laughs> 
I, I think I, I really didn't, I did not plan for the possibility <laughs> of failure. Uh-huh. Um, but I actually went one time. I, I, I've, I've contested tickets. I, I'm so much better at not breaking that law anymore <laughs> that it's it's so hard it's it, you know i i understand i didn't i just didn't know i was ignorant uh and and delusionally confident in a way that like i really did i was like oh this is i know what i'm doing i'm capable of this so these laws are for other people who don't know uh <laughs> what they're doing but i know what i'm doing but one time I got pulled over for like holding I before I had like a amount to for my cell phone I was holding mm-hmm. my cell phone and the the police officer came uh, gave me a ticket for that I went uh, they were there and they were on the stand uh, this woman who had pulled me over and she says uh, the the judge is like well what do you have uh, like do you remember this and I was like how could they how could she remember I mean she's it's so long ago and there's so many people but uh, she like pulls out notes and she says I pulled him over and the first thing he said was I'm sorry and I was like oh man I know that that uh, that's not what you want which is another thing that I've been like thinking about like I, I don't do this as a bit but the fact that like I feel like we are in our like litigious society in our society yeah, of laws wow. we are trained to like you know if you get into an accident with somebody even if it is your fault don't or like admit don't it. admit it because then they can get you but it's look back to childhood and you're like yeah, if you wow. do something wrong apologize say uh-huh. it admit it like tell the truth George Washington who chopped down the cherry tree and that's a lie whatever it is you know but uh, like, no, no. As an yeah, as a child, you should apologize. But as an adult, you know, never it's, admit it. No, you're it. so right. It's, I get into like such uh, like a headspin when I think about because I have friends who are lawyers and they're nice people. But when I think that even when I talk to them, they're like, oh yeah, but like, don't make the mistake of trusting a lawyer. Like even they say that, and I'm like, but, you, but the whole thing is that you're upholding the justice system. But the more you like, you know, get into these situations or read about even like on a big level, it never it's. Literally, lawyers have said to my face, like, as a, in a friendly way, not like, I'm being sued, but just like, if you wanted integrity, don't go to a lawyer. Like, and I'm like, uh, but the whole thing, because <laughs> like, they're literally just like, yeah, we're just going to see what our client wants. And the clients with the most money tend to be the worst people. And they're also the ones who know the ins and outs and know how to, like, get away with shit. And the small fries who get screwed over don't really have that much to lose. But to them, it's a lot. But like they don't have enough to pay for a lawyer. So then they just go, ah, whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, I read recently that the reason, I think poor people, poorer people get audited by the IRS at a disproportionately higher rate than richer people because the IRS is like, we don't have the resources to even, like, begin, like, to audit appropriately people who have enough money to stop us from knowing the truth. That's uh, wild. That's like, yeah. Oh gosh, I I have a. Uh, I mean, this is not a, a joke bit, but it's just like sometimes I just come up with things that are like, I, if this could actually, if I could actually make a society and do this as a rule, I think it would work. Like at least better than what we're doing. But one of the rules I want to do is, um, like musical chairs in court, like where you have to be able to at any point the judge would be like switch, and then the lawyers have to switch and argue the other case. Because that is what you're kind of taught, that you can argue anything. But if you've done the research and you truly believe you're upholding the truth, you shouldn't feel bad about having to suddenly take the stand for the other side. That 
is wild. I like that a lot. It would um, never fly, but it would actually uphold justice way better <laughs> if everyone be good... got all the information. You should. Uh, you could write that as a TV show. That'd be a fun thing to uh, like manifest. <laughs> I'd as immediately art. get assassinated. I'd go missing and be like, "What happened to her?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing about uh, oh yeah, so the other time that I was in uh, in court, I, there was like a magistrate, and I was like, I, I, "Wait, wait, been... wait!" But, so what happened? Yeah. The first okay, so that what the first one closed out you. You kept contesting. Guilty, it and yeah. Had to, okay. had, had, to, to had to pay exactly what it was. Uh, just later. Did you have to dress up to go to traffic court? Uh, I think I dressed nicely, but uh, yeah, it was. I waited around for several hours because there were just lots of cases, and then ah. finally they called mine, and they were like, "Yep." And you know, <laughs> here's a wild thing: is somebody who went up before me, like who did get out of his ticket was like he was there for being on his phone but he said that he was calling 911 which is technically uh if you are not allowed to be on your phone, you are allowed to be on your phone to dial 911, even though the judge was like, what was the emergency? And there wasn't one. He was just like, I I know the law is he got, that. He did his Googling. Yeah. And I don't even know if he had the records to prove it or if he just like at the last minute I don't know how it worked but it didn't no, do it I for think me that's the thing lawyers say is don't <laughs> I'm like it seems like I have all these lawyers friends. it just happened to I just went down a hole this year about like just workplace stuff that I wanted to see what was and then I realized like none of this is uh designed to protect people but the, oh yeah well I was just gonna say that um the secret is which is probably bad for you and I for talkers but is to talk less like they literally friends would be like say less like literally just the one thing you need to say, like the law says you can call 911 and then you don't have to answer why you're calling, which is like uh, as an honest person. I'm like, but they know that they see right through me, but it's like, yeah, they see right through you that you're here contesting it. So I guess either do it or don't. <laughs> Let me tell you this also. I don't know if you ever heard that. I watched this video a few years ago and it was super valuable. It's just a YouTube video of a law professor talking to his class and it went viral and it's just called don't talk to police or like never talk to police. It's something like don't talk to police. And for like 30 or 40 minutes, he just goes through. He's like, even if you are innocent, even if you can oh, like God. even all of these things, like because sometimes like when if the even if the police are like they could they could edit the the footage to say if you're like I did if you say I didn't shoot anyone then they can be like and they don't have a record of the question that was asked they could say like we asked you if you killed someone and you said I didn't shoot anyone how did you know that the person was shot and really they did ask you uh, did like were you there for the shooting and you're like I didn't shoot anyone I don't know so even if oh you aren't God. there I mean I don't remember all of the things but like it's such a valuable thing for every you know i feel like person in our country at mm. least you know where Doesn't this is the legal system feel so safe that we're so protected mm. by psychopaths um that's literally and, like gaslighting like to an extreme degree and it's i mean it's also because of like you know the systemic nature yeah. of their their job you know like the thing you see anything you're a hammer you see everything as a nail like yeah. the police are their goal is to arrest people for wrongdoings to like get to you know yeah. th their goal is to get us uh, their goal is to, yeah it's that binary thought of like 
we've stratified all of the um, like sort of like work like uh, tasks so well that it's like well I don't know well but so much that it's like police deal with crime by getting rid of crime but their actual goal is to like all of our goals supposedly should be to like get to a society where everyone gets everything they want and there is no crime but in the short term if there was no crime there would be no job so then they have to keep getting the crime just like the mental health professionals on a small level have to keep treating the patients but if you actually combined everything i would think that at some point the goal is to build a better world with no mental health Ill- illness and no crime but if you ask them they'd be like well no but not my job and you're like oh burr, yeah burr, burr. and and not even on <laughs> on that level as well and also on the level of like if they want to keep their job and there are quotas for how many tickets yeah. they have to give or how much you know whatever oh. has to how much crime has to be prevented in order to you know continue to justify like but uh i will say that gus my therapist friend uh does say to me he's like when I when there are client when I have clients, I am grateful to be working and helping people. And if there was ever a time where I didn't have clients, I would be grateful that people did not need my services. You know, that's and, nice. Yeah, that's a nice way of uh, putting it. I feel like it's it's that we're not given the tools to make those connections. Because I, I had um, a confidant who's like a, one of the listeners of this pod for a while. Um, she's doing research psychology, so I was like curious. So I had her on, but she said like she tried to be a therapist in school, but then. Um, you don't, you're not allowed to do research if you're practicing. So she switched, which makes it hard for these kinds of like discoveries and innovations to actually be put into practice in a way that can change a system fast. Hmm. Cause you have to go to all these conferences, things have to be written to books and then taught to the next class of students before it can really be put into practice. So in the meantime, we have like discoveries and research that are probably ahead of what we're actually doing in the Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And also, I don't, uh, I I was just reading about the, uh, you know, the uh, George Floyd murder Mm. trial that ended with, uh, you know, thankfully surprising accountability Mm. uh, compared to statistically all that have come before. And I I was reading something about like something written by a police officer that was like, this is good. It is good for for police officers to be able to tell the truth about yeah. when police officers are not doing the serving and protecting that they that, that lots of them probably really do if you ask yeah. them like is your goal to you know get people or is your goal to help people probably like lots of them would say i want to help people uh, and then it is the system in which yeah. they are cogs that uh that leads to results that like to point at any one person and be like, like, that's the problem. You know, we, we have to, we need a much larger finger. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. And it, and it, when you break it down though, and people aren't connecting, it makes it really difficult to connect the dots because like, like just starting from, Oh, it's one bad egg can be really frustrating for someone who's seen the pattern over and over. But yes, are there police officers who are out there being like, I see it over and over. It is just one bad egg. And I'm not like that. Yeah, probably. But are they able to change it? No. And so that on the other side, when someone's trying to change it, it's like, we want the same thing, but then you're automatically put on to opposite sides. Uh, two quick things about that. One, do you know Hari Kondabolu? Yeah. Yeah. Not personally well, but but in oh yeah. yeah yeah he's a super funny uh comedian and a friend and i he has a joke that I, i'm going to paraphrase mm-hmm. as uh as best i can but the point is essentially when he's talking he's talking like 
they're like, oh, it's only a few bad apples. And he's like, but that phrase is a few bad apples spoils the bunch. Like yeah, it's not, yeah, oh, true. a few bad apples are fine. So let's it's, get rid of that, them. Yeah, yeah that's Don't what the, the that's the whole problem. But I also, the, the way that, uh, you know, police officers have you know what i guess the the blue wall of silence mm. uh behind which you know they would be penalized by their peers for speaking out you know for i feel like comedians are kind of uh mm. i think there's more comedians these days who are happy to be like that comedian is saying things that i don't like but yeah. there is the same kind of like you know uh mentality of like are you with us or are you get mm. like you know free like i like Sam Morell has, I think, a joke in his new special about how he's like, uh, we're in this weird comedians and racists are like in it together, like for free speech. And he's like, yeah, it's a strange partnership. <laughs> That's interesting because I think it comes down to sort of like if you're being driven by fear or like motivated by fear or I guess really at the heart of it, love. But that sounds super corny. But there's like the version of like in my mind, like comedy, which I th I would say probably do like is a little like like new agey in a way I'm sure someone's rolling their eyes from the 80s <laughs> but like where I'm like I like comedy because it makes me laugh and it delights me and probably didn't get into it from traditional ways because I, I wasn't that represented so a lot of what I find funny is gonna be slightly off what traditionally clubs have you know put out as funny but in that same way I get so excited when new people introduce new things to me because that's that's been a positive thing for me um, personally. Like I don't feel threatened by that because I guess in some way I am that, that in my mind, I'm like the future is everyone doing all these new cool things and every there's room for everyone, which sounds like delusional. But then on the other end, the fear one is like, we must maintain what we have, which to a few people it's true. Like it, maybe they will get less of the cake or whatever. But I do think if you get to that place where everyone gets everything, it's like how can it's like how can you be mad if you're everyone's at the party? You know, like every it's an open bar or you don't drink, fine. There's like the coup de taste. It's you know any if you're at the party and there's something for everyone and there's nobody excluded, then there's really nothing to complain about. Um, uh, but I, but yeah. I had a, a whole cake and now people want me to make do with 99% of a cake and that is a, a precipitous drop. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I also, I, I, I don't want to be too controversial here, but I'm more a fan of love than fear. And in, <laughs> in fact, uh, there's a, my, my girlfriend introduced me to, have you heard of A Course in Miracles? No, uh, that sounds cool. It's a spiritual text uh, okay. that has like, uh, it's sort of Is Buddhist it like, like stuff? Uh, no, no. I mean, maybe, but okay. uh, uh, I would say the ideas in it are very like they're like they're not necessarily specifically Buddhist, but they're Buddhist like mm. ideas, but with Christian like language. And oh, okay. there is a there. oh yeah yeah yeah. It's uh, you know it's all. From what I've seen from people, like the wisest people that I can assess uh -huh. uh, from any faith tradition are all like, like the Dalai Lama is like, hey, if you're a Jew, be a Jew. And if you're a Buddhist, be a Buddhist. Like nobody's like, we've got the answers here. Like the, yeah, yeah. there's one, you know, a lot of fingers pointing at the same moon, a lot of paths up the same mountain, the mountain yes. of, you know, like love and compassion mm -hmm. and forgiveness and like the, the core things of most religious and faith traditions. And this book in particular, I think when, uh, 
when Rini, my girlfriend, like recommends it to people, she's like, sometimes like the reading the actual book is a little like the language is strange, but there's, I think the book's name is Love is Letting Go of Fear, which sort of like oh. encapsulates like a lot of the messages. And so it's sort of like the way that, you know, like love and fear are like light and darkness mm -hmm. in that like fear and darkness are an absence. They, they cannot be like, they're, they're not in some i mean in some ways they are real but in other ways like with light light is energy you can measure it but when they when a room is dark it's not like how many dark units are there in here mm. like a light bulb has wattage and an off light bulb does not have dark units that you can measure and mm. the same thing can be so with like love and fear and like sometimes if there's like light behind you and you're not looking at the light then everything looks like a shadow it's just like this inverse relationship and so uh, marianne well, williamson one needs the other I think, but I think that's really interesting. I never heard it phrased that way. That I've heard that it's you know absence, but you just put it in a like mathematical way. I don't know if you meant to, but the idea of like if it's nothing, it's zero. It's not negative. Where we often think of like hell and neg whatever you believe in, but like just the kind of fear and scary things as negative, and that we need to be at a hundred to be zero. But if reality is nothing, a blank slate, it's not scary. Um, but any little unit you get is great. You don't need to feel like there's a scarcity of like, I only got one unit, you have 10. It's like, you got one unit? Hell yeah. You got 10? Hell yeah. And then it's all like, all, it's all positive. There's no negative if you think about darkness as oh. zero. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like that a lot. And uh, the, so you know Marianne Williamson, right? Oh, no, no, you're good. You're good. No, that was, I, yeah, I'm yeah, happy Marianne, for that. Yeah, yeah, Marianne, our uh, almost president. Uh, yes. <laughs> so... My my girlfriend was aware of her like before she ran mm -hmm. for president, and she is a person who like essentially uh, is a student of the Course in Miracles as well. Okay. And so we would go and like hear her essentially like, preach and like talk uh, about the lessons of the book, and people would ask questions, and she would answer them. And one of the things that she said, I think I think it's from her that this this analogy came to me for the first time, is that like when there is darkness, you do not like fight it with darkness. You don't mm -hmm. fight it with a baseball bat. You you combat darkness by turning on the light. Mm -hmm. And so that is also the way to combat fear. You combat fear, not with fear, uh, not with a baseball bat, but by turning on the light, turning on yeah. the love. Yeah, because fear is kind of a reflection of, and this is where I'm like, this might be wrong. This, I'm talking like I know, but I don't. But to me, fear is like a reflection of um, unknown within yourself. Because anytime I've been afraid of something, it's generally stemming from something I don't know. And the more information I get, I can either get enough information to go, oh, that thing is bad, but now I know how to leave the room. And then I do, which is not scary to be able to walk away from the dark cave with the monster in it. Or I go, oh, I know what is in that cave now. Oh, cool. I like what's in that cave. I'll go in. And there's no version of it where I just go, I get more information. And then I'm like, yeah, that monster will eat me. Let me get eaten. Like, you can always get to the point where you know the ending and then decide that's not for me. Or I think that is okay. Um, I, I like that I a like lot. I like that a lot. I had you said, something you said reminded me because I had this. I end up talking a lot of this stuff now. My boyfriend's not a um, comedian, but because of me having less comedy during these times, I've really he's just you know truly uh, <laughs> truly had to put up with a lot of my thoughts. Um, but I had a thought that I was telling him the other day that you reminded me of this idea of like being driven by love and not fear, but in a more practical way. I was saying like ultimately like I'm a very open person when I, I used to be like grew up kind of 
like a late bloomer, repressed sexually, whatever. But I'm very open. I talk about things in my comedy that not in a way to shock just because I feel like everyone should not feel shame. But I find it really interesting because a lot of times I'll like talk to audience members who feel like you should be ashamed of talking about sex. And in my head, I'm like, you know, it's not it's not specifically sex that I feel ashamed of. It's the respect. Certain situations I don't find are conducive to me being respected if I start talking about certain experiences. So then I won't, not because I'm ashamed, but because I want respect. And I was like, if we all lived out of this like respect for each other, kind of the love instead of the fear, the world would be cool. Like I'm queer, so I think for me, this would be really great. But I also think for a lot of straight guys, like this would be great. There would just be like more boobs out. Like honestly, this isn't even a joke because I think it's true. I think about all the time people want to feel sexy and want to be out and about and want to like be looked at in a way that makes them feel sexy, but also want to be respected. If everyone did actually respect each other, there would just be way more uh, like people flaunting their wares, if that makes sense. And it, I think it, it does. I think it's like we are the only thing limiting ourselves from that because we, you know, have to make it feel shameful so that it's like this thing you got to sneak in. But it's like, well, if everyone likes feeling hot, everyone likes to be looked at as long as, you know, there's respect involved. Why not just everyone and... respect each other? <laughs> And also fear comes into it because safety is a concern. Also more yes. for like non-male identified yes. people as well. Like I remember listening to Dan Savage's podcast, Savage Lovecast, uh, which mm. I love. I don't know if you listen. It's yeah, my yeah, favorite. Uh, it's not been a minute, but I remember I was listened to a lot of it when I was younger. So I think uh, he talked about like a study that was done. I think I must have heard it on there that like on a college campus where essentially, you know, they're they're sort of uh, exploring the myth that like men like to have sex more than women do. And mm. like that a man will be up for it. You know, just like, oh, just ask a man and he'll be into it. And if, if you just go up to a random stranger, a woman, uh, then she probably won't be into it as likely. And they found that when they were able to, I think, control for like the risk of violence, you know, the risk yeah. of the un that unknown, then it was at least it was, a, I think, equal. It was that, you know, there's nothing about it, nothing inherent to being a woman that makes a person less likely to be sexual desire sex yeah. uh that of course there's you know differentiations all within uh within every gender mm -hmm. uh that there's but some people have yeah. the, the i mean that makes sense because uh, obviously it like as i mean yes humans are intelligent creatures but we're also animals that like it's such a basic thing and i feel like the old-timey thought of like oh, like girls don't always want to have sex, you have to convince them to. That, if you really break it down, is like kind of fucked up because then you, it, you imagine like it's it's that old school mentality of like, oh, before she changes her mind. But then it's like, what does that really mean? That means that like there's a chance that she changed her mind. Like, do you want that? When in reality, it's like maybe she didn't like you, but someone else does. So then wouldn't you want to be with someone who's like into it? Like... I, I know that's like a more now being like a modern woman, like I can say that. And I know it, it didn't used to be so easy for women to say that. But it's to me, I'm like to be able to be with someone I know is into it is important for me. And if I ever found out like they were just doing it to make me happy, it would devastate me. So it's like I wouldn't want that to be up for any gender. And I think people didn't know there was another option because I imagine it, I don't think every guy who grew up in like, you know, the 50s wanted to like you know, they're, anybody to feel uncomfortable. But they may have thought like, oh, this is kind of how it works. They get uncomfortable and then they get over it. But it's like, that's not how it works. Like, it's not how it works. 
at all. Oh yeah, I mean, and it it used to be how <gasps> like how it did work that women were property, you know, that uh, yeah. you and so from that point to now, like, it's not like that sex education has, you know, kept up with all of, you know, like, there's, it's great that there are resources for everyone uh, that do exist, but it is unfortunate that, you know, mm. there are, there's kids, there's queer kids, there's trans kids, there's, you know, people of all, all types, like growing up, you know, in, mm. in various, it's great that the internet exists, but there's still like sort of isolated packets, isolated communities, like, you know, yeah. uh, repressive yeah. Uh, parents, repressive families, and and towns and areas, yeah. but but you know it's it does seem like overall slowly progress is being made on the on the systems level, and then also you know on the the various individuals level, and so I'm sure that you're doing a great service for uh, the people. I I hope some some little kids are listening right now. Oh God, no. um, well, I I try to be careful about like because I'm like I know a lot. I like to not censor myself and so I'll talk about you know things that are adult but I also don't try to like if I'm in front of kids I won't but I think that's the difference people it comes down to the respect like I respect the room but I think some people are so not used to hearing that out of like especially in the Asian community at all now it's changing but that they might think oh if you're doing that that means you don't respect the rules at all but I'm like I, I've been a camp counselor like I yeah why would I I'm an adult person <laughs> like it's like very different oh, yeah. to be an adult There's... talking to adults like there's different yeah there's different rules yeah. for different games like yeah. you know every almost every person would speak to you know even i wonder you know there's like the i forget what it's called like brutal honesty or like there's some you know just oh, like yeah. all maximum honesty like all the time honesty but that's idea. also no respect i think because when people I, do that there's a there's like a, i don't care what you think if it hurts you i need to get the truth out yeah, I mean, and I think people who who abide by that, you know, mentality, like probably like might lose some friends over it. And then hopefully, hopefully you get to play the the game with the rules that mm. you want to with the people who also, you know, opt in to play those rules. And like so but I like when I would talk when I talk to my mom, she doesn't like swearing. So mm. I don't swear with my mom, not because I'm censoring myself, not because it's like like but but it's my First Amendment freedom of speech right to to be able to swear with my mom but like yeah i and i have that freedom i can swear with yeah. my mom but i don't because i know that she it, it would make her unhappy and i don't need to like if i ever like with my comedy i swear in my comedy sometimes uh -huh. and if she's uh if she listens to an album that has swearing on it like she understands that that's a thing that can happen and she can listen she doesn't want to yeah, like yeah. dan savage uh talked about like in his he wrote a book he wrote a few autobiographical books and he talks about sex for a living and so he was like uh when i gave the book to my mother i was like don't read this chapter if you mm -hmm. don't want to learn about things that you might not want to learn about like he says that she would always say like there are some things that like a mother has a right not to know about her child and there's probably things that a child has if you don't want to know things about your parents sex like or if you don't know things about your mm -hmm. child or your family or whatever it is like it doesn't mean that you're uptight it i mean it means that you are uh you live in our society and you yeah. are who boundaries. you are yeah. You're also talking about empathy because it's like, yes, you can't, like, it, again, not out of the fear. Because some people might be triggered saying, hearing, like, oh, you can't swear because they're, they feel fearful. Like, oh, you're trying to center me. But you know, that's not true. You're like, well, I can, but now I know you don't like it. And I like you, so I'm not going to. And, th and then that's fine. Like, that doesn't limit who you are as a person. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's 
two two things I want to pick up. One is, yeah. have you heard of the platinum rule? No. That sounds fancy. It's like the golden rule. Okay. Uh, you've heard of the golden rule, I bet, which is do unto yeah. others, okay. yeah, the way you would want them to do unto you. Uh, treat others you how you want to be treated. turn yeah. to gold. <laughs> yeah, the Midas rule, yeah. Okay. Uh, but so here's the... The criticism of the golden rule is that if you treat others the way you want to be treated, then that will make miserable both the sadist and the masochist. Uh, for example, oh, if you're oh, like, I want to be treated this way, so I treat other people that way, but other people might not want to be treated the exact way that you want to be treated. So mm. the platinum rule is treat others the way they want to be yeah, treated. That's nice. I like that. Yeah. Because it's, well, you're kind of coming down to the words and semantics of it, which is like, the kind of, I mean, that that makes sense if there's another comedian breaking it down, but the reality is, like, we are all different, but if you, we often make up for these, like, gaps between what we think is weird about ourselves and what society considers normal, but there's no real true normal, we're just kind of going against some general aggregate average, like, like an example, I don't know, if we're all running late, but then we all get mad at other people for running late, like, and that's a stupid binary example, but in the same way, like, we all understand that none of us do these things perfect. Yet, there is a threshold. You can't always be late, but you can sometimes be late. And we all know the person who abuses those boundaries or, like, has no respect. But you can usually tell when someone's just, like, a normal, not normal, just a respectful person and they make a mistake. And you're like, fine. Because we kind of gauge against this false reality, but in reality, I think we all have like a secret meter that's like, how am I alone? And if you act that way and I respect me and I respect you, then that's fine. Like the speeding rule. Does this make sense? And it really, I mean, some of these things, when you're talking like societally, like we can't, we can't, we can never control anybody else's mm -hmm. actions. You know, we can barely, if anything, control our own, uh, our own <laughs> thoughts, our own, you know, reactions Bowel to things, our behavior. Things like that, yeah. Exactly. Or, or, you know, we, we, none of us can do any of that. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and but like with my my girlfriend, uh, like I, I a, a kind of a joke we have or that I, I sort of uh, assessed between us is like she is great with space and I am great with time and Ooh, like and like we're that. and I'm I'll say that I'm not the best with space like my like when I had to take classes, they were like tests growing up. I was great on like math. I'm great on mm. like uh, these objectively, you know, like knowable things. But like, I mean, not that space is not objectively knowable, uh, but I was bad Wait, at the spatial relations space, test. Like, like space in outer space? Or you're talking about like, um, like, what do you call it? Like kinetic learning versus like what? More that. More like, yeah, move, moving around like... Like my girlfriend uh, does the aesthetics of our home and I'm oh, like, yeah. this all works for me, you know, and uh, I am like, it's time to go to meet to do the thing. And <laughs> like, if I'm like, we have to get on the road at this time to get to the place, uh, you know, for the show or for the thing or whatever. Like, she has authorized me to tell her that we have to leave at 1030 if we have to leave at 1130 and okay. then maybe yeah. we'll leave at 11, you know, and and so. <laughs> It's something that we like we both know that neither of us is intending any disrespect mm. when like if I leave something out 
in in the space that makes her you know sensory experience mm. the way that she wouldn't choose or and i know that she's not intending disrespect if she if like but i said 10 30 why why not 10 30 like you so that's you're translating a little bit like a language like yeah obviously you speak the same language and live in the same world but there are like the language right like lo like love language is one common when people talk about but there's also like what makes you comfortable what makes your space like that you're you literally translated like we know on a base level lying to your partner's bad but lying to be on time is good like you've kind of created a different code to speak to each other that is a combination of both of your languages yeah it's like uh it's like role playing it's like like <laughs> we're we're playing a you know i mean like obviously like telling somebody something that's not the truth like could be your acting it could be your role playing it could be your reading fiction it could be that you're intending a malicious deceitful mm. you know thing but like when you when you know when it's you know a yeah. friend when it's a partner that you you know love and trust and care about or uh, and hopefully i think that you know in society like it's so interesting like so many things are set up for us to like just in case that's not the case like be like you know if like yeah. for like that's why don't talk to the police if you like that's why get a lawyer that's why don't you know don't go to your lawyer for ethics like everybody has their own like rules and languages mm. and things that like hopefully you know hopefully like it seems that most people aren't sociopaths it seems it's you know maybe only one yeah. percent and that everybody else here's the the i think the final thing of that like uh came up to me uh, based on what we were talking about, and then I'll finish my confession. But uh, uh, the from A Course in Miracles, uh, the there's an idea that everything that anybody does in life, for the most part, is either an offering of love or a mm -hmm. call for love. And oh. offerings of love are very are much easier to spot. Be like, oh, that's a loving, uh -huh. you know, action or statement. And but call a call for love could be somebody being mean to you, could be mm -hmm. somebody honking their horn at you, because it's coming from a deficit. It's coming from the lack. The not a negative necessarily, but like we were saying, like uh, they didn't receive either enough, you know, care that morning or yeah. that childhood or that incarnation, whatever it is, like it's almost always possible to trace back somebody, you know, mistreating somebody mm -hmm. else at, you know, you can, which doesn't mean that it's your obligation to like stay in an abusive relationship. It doesn't mean like keep hanging out and having more things make you unhappy. You don't have to receive an offering in the same way you don't have to receive, receive or t like it's, you're kind of talking on an electron level. Like, you know, when things don't match up, the electron, like if there's like exactly plus two, minus two, then they match or whatever. I mean, sorry, I'm butchering for anyone who's actually a scientist. But on some basic level, that's how those electrons form bonds. And if one is out there with like, you know, one extra looking for another one, but another one doesn't want it, it doesn't have to take it. And it's not like you suck, you should die, don't exist because you have an extra. It's like that person out came out here with a call for love and you didn't have enough to spare. You don't have to engage. They're not... They don't need to be canceled or erased off the world. They probably shouldn't hurt people, but you also don't have to receive the like pain that they're doling out either. Oh yeah, uh, on the on this this subject on the subject of boundaries, I watched a Brene Brown uh, appearance on Russell Brand's podcast, I believe, oh. and she was talking about some research that she's done into compassionate people. And one of the pieces of uh, information that they found from studying compassionate people is that these two things. One is that. The more compassionate you are, the more likely you are to think 
everyone is doing their best. Everyone is mm-hmm. doing the best that they can. And also compassionate people have bo- good boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that is, and like it sound, it might seem counterintuitive initially to be like, if you're compassionate, wouldn't you just like open up and let anybody in? But an example that she gave is of like, uh, if a woman is in an abusive relationship, if she really believes that her abusive partner is doing the best that they can then she's like and that's not enough so i'm Mm. going to leave if you think they could do better you might stick around but if you're like you can be compassionate and understand somebody's situation from farther away like to be compassionate to yourself and protect yourself and establish yourself i think people forget like being compassionate to someone suffering doesn't have to come at the expense of your own safety and so in any event uh-huh. So, uh, conf- so okay, let, let's wrap up your confession. Well, I feel like we went on so many, but this is what I, this is what I expected, which is great. I love yeah. it. So, um, Same. I, I've truly untangled so many, um, it feels like a, one of those, you know, at doctor's offices when they have, has anyone ever said this to you? <laughs> okay. I'm uh, like, no, not, this I, has to be a thing that you've heard because I immediately thought of this and I'm like, I can't be the only one who said this. At doctor's office, they have those like bright for like toddlers. They have those like bright colored rainbow slidey things. Oh, like crazy straws. Yeah, but then you move a little bead across, and then, you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah, that's how I feel yeah. like the conversation with you is like because it there's no way to win in that it's not the point isn't to get to, it's just to play and have fun and see the colors and move the beads and at some point the doctor's like all right your turn you're like all right let's put this away and come back later. Oh man, yeah, I I like that. It's sort of like the I wonder. I know that I, I try not to use the word crazy anymore uh, due to mm. its ableist uh, mm. connotations. But with respect to that kind of straw, I'm like, Diver- what kind? Like, what kind? Neurodivergent for now is the term I've heard. I wonder if divergent would work, or I don't know. A divergent <laughs> straw, <laughs> uh, like a, a loop-de-loopy straw. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I feel like that's like those things that you're talking about. Nobody ever has compared me to one of those. I like it a lot, and it's sort of like <laughs> like an abacus meets oh, a loop-de-loop yeah. straw. <laughs> Abacus, you can't count on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In more ways an than abacus, one. <laughs> yeah. An abacus for fun, more than, yeah. yeah. I like that. Um, okay, so what happened with the the end of your confession? So, you said you had uh, a, a final final bit about Oh, it. yeah. So here the, the thing, the way the story ended is uh-huh. I never got another, like, uh, thing from them uh, saying, like, when to come to court. So yeah. I just never went. <gasps> And didn't pay the ticket. Whoa. And uh, since then, have had different... I, I hope the statute of limitations is up. I don't know if that's <laughs> how it works. I have a different license from a different <laughs> state. I have a different car and a different registry. Like, all the information <laughs> is different. And I've, I think I even may have been, like, pulled over in that state again after that. And it never... And you're like, came, I'm not it, sorry. It's just never come up. But ultimately, the, the emotional, like... Uh, mm. thing that I really want to get to is that my mom got the, like one of the tickets like went to her and she, she was terrified oh. because she, so she's like, I was almost driving a hundred miles an hour. And, and this is like just a couple years after I had fallen asleep at the wheel, oh, crashed wow. my car. And yet still was like, well, this time I'm awake. Like, so this time I know what I'm doing. Oh, and she saw that you were driving and had a mom think of like, Oh, okay. Yes. And so, and she was like, I don't think you should be driving. She's like, I'm going to like, I, I want to, she want, wanted to ground me essentially, like, or come like, wanted me to bring my car back to oh New Jersey God. from Massachusetts. And I was like, at the time, uh, resistant to that idea. I'm like, I'm okay. I mean, mm. at this point, far in the future, I, uh, have not, I, I, 
I accept, I assess that that was reckless, that uh-huh. driving at that speed, like is something that, you know, if there was some, if something went wrong in front of me, if, if I lost, you know, control for a second or if something happened in the, whatever it is, like, mm. I, I don't know the future. I can't guarantee. I was like, I, I couldn't even guarantee. Fault. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you were doing a thing that you knew was reckless, but when you were caught, you were like, that was fine. As opposed to like, cause I mean, I, I, I don't speed like that a lot, but when I speed, I'll still be like, I know it's wrong. So if I get caught, it's like, nah, yeah. But the mentality the of going, is, I'm not wrong after is, I think, the corrective part, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't think that it was like, uh, like, it's not wrong. Like, I mean, maybe it is unethical to drive that fast because you're endangering other people in addition to yourself. Mm. Like, I think mm. if I you're only endangering yeah, yourself. But uh, <laughs> the idea of, I definitely didn't see it. I didn't think, I, I knew it was legally wrong. I knew it was against the law, but I really didn't feel like, I well, I thought I was under I thought it was under mm. control, which is like <laughs> like the whenever whenever anybody in art or probably in history in any media is like I have things under control. Cut to you know <laughs> yeah, cut to out of control. Wow, that's and, a, it's a, if you talk about patterns. Well, no, sorry, it's really <laughs> you and I have similar. <laughs> oh no, I love it. Where we both interrupt, but. It's just you excited me. The pattern of someone saying I, I have it under control. It's not because people can't, but it's when you've gotten to the point where you're saying that you can't. But people can have things under control. But if you're already feeling that, that's you fighting a thought that's like I don't have this. That's you defending yourself because you had the thought that it's time to stop. Yes, me. It's me thinks you might be protesting too much in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like it's. It's like when I I don't really drink alcohol anymore, uh, but when I would drink and I'm not, mm. I'd never had like a gigantic rock bottom. Uh, mm. It's just, it was, it never ultimately was my thing. But when I was like a little drunk and having a good time, I, I could, I would always like a bit that I would do, not even like a joke, but just like a life yeah. bit would be like, I was like, I feel like. I could convince people I was sober now if I needed to, you know, like I'm totally like, this is exactly, how is this different from when I'm sober? Meanwhile, of course, the main difference is when I'm sober, I'm not like, I'm sober. Yeah, sober yeah. is what I am. <laughs> I talk a lot about how sober I am. What's my impression of me as sober? Just sober, 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 saying sober and just in control all the complete, like during this whole conversation, mm. you and I have been in control of ourselves, of mm. our conversation, of our faculties. What of trash. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but none of us at any point until we started talking about this has been like, so just want to put put it out there to start with. Everything's under control. It's like <laughs> w- one time I did mushrooms with some friends in L.A. Uh, do you know Shane Moss? Comedian? Uh, uh, I'm not. Well, wait, I know that name, but I don't know if we actually know each other. I'm like, I, oh, he's fantastic. Him, yeah. One of my best friends. Uh, and he's, so we were doing mushrooms with some other friends and we were at his place near the beach. We come back to his place. I go into the bathroom and like, I don't know if you're a psychedelic person, but I mean, there's a video of me doing mushrooms on YouTube. It's legal from work that has over 8 million views. It's almost like at this point it's run away and I have to just accept that I'm the mushroom girl. Ah, This was from a job like five years ago that still (laughs) surfaces sometimes. That's wonderful. I like that. Um, 
So as you, you may know, I don't know if you have the same thing with me, but on psychedelics, like using a bathroom is weirder than it normally is because uh -huh. like there's time dilation, like, mm -mm. and I'm just like, just get in and get out and do it. And like, don't look in the mirror too long and just everything will be yeah, like, yeah. it's, it's all fine. Your, it's your all fine. It's just, comes out, you're... Yeah, just a necessary thing we're doing here. <laughs> it's just like the body physical needs something and we'll get back to spirit outside in a second. But uh, I came out of the bathroom, like everything went... Everything went fine. Everything went great. <laughs> and I came out and I, I was like, <laughs> I said to Shane and the, the gang, I was like, I, uh, the Shane gang, that's one. Uh, I, I said something like, well, kind of as a joke, but also kind of real in that moment. I was like, well, I think everything went exactly the way it was supposed to in there. And then Shane's like imagining, he's like, I feel like pipes are exploding and just like, <laughs> Just like the toilet is uh, in the tub uh -huh. and like the sink is out the window. And uh, so, yeah, everything, everything's under control, like very rarely per, uh, proceeds. Uh, and then an orderly yeah. time was had by all. Wow. I love that. I think uh, that's a great place to end. I'm so happy you shared that. Um, you just have made me have an epiphany because I say I have a thought a lot when I'm about to share a lot of thoughts. And I just realized I think I say that because I have a lot of thoughts and I need people to know, don't leave. <laughs> I, go, I have a thought. And then like 10 minutes later, they're like, uh, <laughs> so like damn, that's why I do that. Because <laughs> I don't say that when I just <laughs> want to talk. Oh, yeah. Most of the time uh, you are having thoughts yeah. and most of the time you are not saying I have yeah, a thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I feel like this is a great place to end. Originally, I kind of like had a little game to end on, but this is way more fun of a place to end. And I like that we like tied it back up. So before we get out of here, I'd love to tell or can you tell the listeners um, how to check out your comedy, where to follow you, if you have anything coming up you want to plug? Sure. Thank you for, for, uh, I'd love for you to tell them. Uh, thank okay. you for me. Uh, no, my, uh, so my name is Mike Kaplan. Uh, I don't I spell to it do weird. the whole intro. I just mean. Oh, no, no, no. I, okay. I want to just <laughs> let people know, uh, Mike is spelled M-Y-Q and Kaplan is spelled K-A-P-L-A-N. So if you search for M-Y-Q, K-A-P-L-A-N, that's all of my mm. social medias. Uh, I have a new newsletter where I send out jokes Ooh. once a week or more if people subscribe. Oh, uh, and also like my dates and things. And that's at mikekaplan.substack.com. My website also is just mikekaplan.com. And uh, my two podcasts, uh, one of them is just me talking. Uh, and it's called The Faucet. The other one oh, I, I have. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. It's uh, The Geyser Was Taken, maybe. Um, but uh, there's a my song other called podcast. The oh, no, sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, no, please. <laughs> no, please. no, 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 no. I'm going to no, cut no. my interrupting now. I just <laughs> send this to you later. There's a song. That probably won't fit the vibe at all, but it's a great twerk song and it has a oh. in it that I will No, I love that. But sounds sorry. good. Thank you. Um, no, no. And uh, so my other podcast is called Broccoli and Ice Cream. And I, on that one, have conversations with people and I'd love to have you on. Uh, and on that, I will I will be the one who does my best not to interrupt. Um, you, I will let you run free as whatever kind of twerking faucet you wish to be. Um, and... <laughs> Also, I am a stand-up comedian. That is, uh, I guess, I, I, it's so funny when I'm, like, giving my plugs and things. I always am like, oh, yeah, and also I do stand-up uh, because for the past year it's been uh, such a strange yeah. thing. I, we doing have an album. Some shows. We've got a couple albums yeah. out, but you had one come out during the pandemic. Yes, one, just about one year ago. Thank you. That is 100% the thing that I would love for people to know. If you only remember one thing mm. is that I have my newest album right now is called AKA. Uh, I released it in 2020. It was recorded the year before, and it's uh, I love it. It's I'm is very that a great proud of it. Bit? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you, you if you like bathroom talk, uh, bathroom and also drug if you, talk, <laughs> it is true. Thank thank you for that. Yeah. So all my other albums are all the places that albums might be: Spotify and Apple Music and such. And uh, and I'm starting to do live shows. So coming up in the summer. Uh, I'm performing in Kansas City and Minneapolis and St. Louis and a few other places sort of on the way there and back uh, from and to New York. And so, yeah, if you if you follow me places, then you can uh, find me places. Nice. Thank you so much. Definitely go watch Mike live if you can. Follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod and follow me at Larissa T on Twitter. Thank you for listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. This podcast is a part of the Hoo Ha Ha podcast network, created and hosted by Teresa Lee, produced by Ashley McAtee, Audrey Pavar, Maggie Beats Austin, Karia Saad, Ryan Middledorf. Theme song is written and performed by Cody Johnston. The outro is written and performed by Shipwreck Sailor. <laughs>